0: Good morning, family. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for all the announcements and the things coming up. So, last week, our mantra was, who remembers it? Come on. Come on, loud. That's right. Let's do it together. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Let's do it again. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Love, love, love. Jesus told us, um, well, he showed us that he was intricately and deeply and specifically involved in every aspect, aspect of the current issues of his day. People would ask him hard questions about life, and he did not pointy punches. He came right at it with love, 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 love. Uh, Martin Luther says this, if you uh, will show this. Uh, Scripture from Martin Luther, or this uh, quote: "If you preach the gospel in all aspects, with the exception of the issues which deal specifically with your time, you are not preaching the gospel at all." Last week, um, I got a, a number of emails and texts and phone calls uh, saying how thankful you were that you have a pastor and a leadership team that's courageous enough to to teach on the issues of the day. Uh, last year or last week, we dealt with the gay issue. The Supreme Court's decision on gay marriage. And um, you appreciated, you know, the balance and the uh, truth and the love and the mixture of mercy and truth and all that. Now, today, for those of you that thought I did a great job last week, I wonder if you're going to send me wonderful emails this week. Because we are going to hit an issue today I believe is the hottest topic of all of them. And it wasn't even on my radar until I started asking, surveying, what do you think we should talk about for the hottest issues of the day. When they mentioned this one, I thought, well, of course. I mean, the gay issue, the evolution issue, the political issues, um, they, uh, the race, racial issues, they all affect us directly or indirectly. This one affects every one of us directly. It is one of the, it is one of the number one causes of divorce. It, it cripples governments. It controls the political system. Uh, It topples governments. It pulls down nations. It is a contributor to some of the, the, the most good done in the earth and some of the most evil done in the earth. It is one of, if not the top stressor in people's lives. Can you guess what it is? Money. Aren't you smart? I had teaching to an intelligent congregation this morning. That's awesome. This is what Jesus said about money. Now, he gets right to the heart of the matter, pun intended. Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to know where your heart is, just look at your checkbook. Look where your money goes, and that's where, Jesus said, that's where you're going to find your heart. You see, the reality is Jesus wants this, your heart. But he says this is tied to this your money. So if he doesn't have this, your money, he does not have this, your heart. It is impossible to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ if he does not have control of your finances. Jesus said that. It's crazy to think that we'll trust Jesus with our eternity, but not with our money. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? I can hear some of you say, I knew it, I knew it. You get into this new series, it's a bait and switch. You rope us in, the hot issues of the day, last week was awesome. And now all you want, is the preacher wanting our money. Well, that's not what's happening at all. Do I want you to give? Absolutely. We're trying to save the world together. But the reality is, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. You see, in this room today, do you think we're going to fix the U.S. economy? No. But I bet you we could... Go a long way in fixing our own. So that's what I want to focus on. What do we want for you? We want you to live in freedom and not be held in bondage to money. This is our pastoral heart for you. We want you to provide a future for your children instead of hoping they will provide one for yours. We want you to honor Jesus Christ with every financial decision so that you can be blessed, be free to do God's will, and be a blessing in the world. Now I believe Jesus wants us to have money or else he wouldn't have deposited it in the Garden of Eden The gold and the pearls and the burls and I mean he he deposited all the wealth in the earth himself I believe he wants us to have money. He just doesn't want money to have us That's the heart issue. That's the addiction issue Look at what this says one of my favorite verses in the Bible I'm going to move quickly because we're pretty short on time this morning. So i'm going to rapid preach. All right unlike usual As for every man to whom god has given riches and wealth Oh, who did that? Who gave it to them? Say it. When I was in business here in San Diego, we were upside down hard, suffering. I did not know God and money ever went together. And he taught me that they do. In fact, they better. Otherwise, you're out here alone with money, and that is a a sick and dangerous world. As for every man to whom God, everybody say God, has given riches and wealth. See that? And given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor. This is the, say it, yes. gift of God. That's in the Bible. That ugly, boring, joy stealing book. Look at this one. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty nor trust, everybody say trust, and uncertain riches. That means they're unpredictable, but in li- the living God who gives us richly, out loud, All things to enjoy. I love spending money and having fun. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. But here's the balance. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. That's heaven that they may lay hold on eternity. Now this scripture is to the rich. How many of you think you're rich? Raise your hand. You, you think you're rich. Okay, there's about five of you in the, in the whole church. Okay, so so you've just excused yourself from that passage. Well, let me let me tell you this. If you make more than $30,000 a year, you are in the top 2% in the world. We just don't know how rich we are. So, money... And the stress of it weighs people down like nothing else i've been there, and God has a lot to say about setting us free. What would you say is the number one problem in the u s economy? Say it out loud. The answer's already been given if you heard that chief. debt. So what do you think Jesus would say? i 'm going to give you five things I believe Jesus would say to us today. What do you think Jesus would say to the U.S. government, and to you. Get out of debt. Say it out loud. Get out of debt. That's the first thing he would say to us, I believe. Now look, some of you are saying, oh great, you've depressed me already. <laughs> On the first point, I'm, I'm more depressed than when I first arrived. I can't get out of debt. Look, we were. I was seventy. $7,000, not seven, not seventeen, seventy thousand dollars in debt and going down five thousand dollars per month and there was no way out. My brother had a nervous breakdown, he was on the bed all day long. I was going into the office. I was the only employee and we were going down hard and fast. Our roommate was buying our groceries for us and all we could afford, what all our roommate could afford was peanut butter and jelly and pancakes. We lived on peanut butter and jelly and pancakes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for months. I know what it feels like to be so broke you can't even pay attention. My brother had a dream that a syrup bottle was chasing him down the street. This is how bad it was. I know what it's like to hurt financially. God does not want that for us. Here's what Jesus says. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot, Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. Now he's using the word hate here in the same way he uses it in the scripture. He who does not hate his mother and father cannot be my disciple. What he means by that is if you think when you come to a crossroads and Jesus wants you to do this and your parents want you to do that, and you say, I need to follow Jesus, and you do that instead of what your parents want you to do, then you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. But if you say, I cannot disappoint my parents, like my, my wife, who's on a spiritual retreat today in the mountains. Um, she had a full-ride scholarship to a university. Her dad was a Louisiana politician. This would look very good for him in his campaign um, and because of his personal profile. But Jesus told her to go to missionary school and go to the Philippines to be a missionary. So she... Ignored the full-ride scholarship and she went to be a missionary which was a real rub with her and her dad I had the same situation with my father not a full-ride scholarship believe me And another area another scenario in my life where my father wanted me to do one thing and jesus told me to do another thing And I did what jesus told me to do and it was it was it wasn't pretty But those are the kind of moments where you decide i'm not going to obey man Even if it's my parents and i'm not going to obey myself I'm going to obey God. Every time you do that, you go to a whole another level in your relationship with the Lord and in anointing and power and wisdom and prosperity. Following Jesus is the smartest thing to do every single time. How many of you know the Bible says that money is the root of all evil? Raise your hand. Thank God only a few people raised their hands. And I won't say who it was. The Bible doesn't say that. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money's not evil. We are. Or we're not. And so you put money in a person's hand, what they do with it comes out of their heart. And that's where the money goes. When I was in business, God told me this. He said, if you serve me, I will cause money to serve you. Money's just a vehicle to fulfill dreams. And if you're dreaming God's dreams, he will finance it. Look at the Bible says about debt. My son, if, you're hap, if you have put up security for your neighbor, in other words, you have co-signed, you're in debt for someone. If you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you have been trapped by what you said and snared by the words of your mouth. This is the Bible on debt. So do this, my son, to free yourself Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter, like a bird from the snare of a fowler. That's how the Bible feels about debt. If you're broke upside down on a car payment or buried in credit card Debt, I know what that feels like. But let me suggest this. It is most likely because at some point you allow selfishness and the desire to acquire, to override an intelligent, spirit-filled, responsible, self-controlled, proverbial answer to that need, which is usually a want, that is right in front of you. That's not always the case, but after pastoring for 30 years, I've seen it over and over and over again. I think one of the biggest mistakes people make is blaming external circumstances for an internal poor stewardship issue. In America, everybody blames everybody else for their financial problems. But I believe God has put into your hands the money you need to win with. The question is, what are you doing with what's in your hands right now? I told you I'm not going to get any nice emails this week. But I love you too much to not tell the truth. I believe that financial freedom will never take place in a person's life until they are willing to accept personal responsibility for where they are and make the hard decisions and sacrifices to climb out of the financial hole they've dug. See, God has purposeful and significant dreams for every one of you sitting here. But I believe... And many times we unfortunately limit God's dreams in our lives because of a certain car we want to drive or a certain neighborhood we want to live in. And because of that, we dive into a deep debt hole in the name of Jesus. Before I began this church, I surveyed the neighborhoods, and I heard this over and over and over again. We can't go to church because we have to work seven days, two incomes, to afford the boat and the car and the house that we live in. I heard that over and over and over is that how God wants us living? Is that what God wants for us, or have we bought into something devastating? Debt is big business in America. Debt is big business in America. We've all had dumb debt. You know, owning something that uh, owning something that, that's worth more than than uh, what you paid for it, like a car or furniture. What's the issue? What's the issue? With us getting something that, that is not worth, uh, not it's worth anymore. We can't wait. we got to have it now. That, 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 that is the issue. The marketing is so powerful that the reality is you got to have it now. You can, and you can have it now. I watched a, uh, a um, F, uh, Financial Peace University with Dave Rangel last night with my 14-year-old daughter. Because I want her to get this stuff early. And he was talking about the marketing industry and how they literally, we are lab rats. They they use scientific measures and methods to find out our behavior. And then they make sure that they, they follow our patterns, see what you buy, when you buy, how you buy. And they put it all right up in our face, make it so easy, so quick. And they're willing to give you the money right now to get that thing right now. I mean, they own us. Unless you're able to stop the craziness, decide that your self-worth does not depend on whether your furniture matches all at the same time. I mean, our furniture is ridiculous. I mean, we just finally got chairs to match our couches to match our rug. I mean, up to this point, we've had the house for four years. Up to this point, I mean, you'd walk by the living room and it's like, ah! Oh! It's, it's It's offensive i mean, this multicolored rug, and then these pink multicolored chairs, and then these brown couches, and it was just, it's just ugly. I mean, my wife doesn't even want to invite anybody over, but do we go into debt to get that furniture suite? We do not do that. We had done that, and we dug ourselves out of a hole, and we're never going back into that hole again because that's a dark, deep, nasty, ugly, awful, thank God, not God forsaken hole, but he wants to give you tools to get out of that hole. So, you know, both homes we've owned, neither one of them have been decorated the way that we want them decorated. They don't express ourselves. But we owe nobody anything other than our home. It is awesome living debt-free. I was reading a financial report recently, and this is what the analyst said. Credit was not so available in earlier years and eras, uh, which created a deep savings culture. In the United States, we used to have a deep savings culture. People needed to save substantial amounts of money in order to buy a house or a car or to get the education they wanted. If you back up 20 to 30 years, you will see a significant savings. But what has happened since then was a sudden availability of cheap credit, which has been substantiated for, uh, substituted for short-term savings. America on the average in 2013 was saving 2%. The rest of the world was 7 to 12 to 15, and uh, Japan and some of the Asian countries, 20%. Smart. You know know in Germany, they don't even have equity loans? They they will not allow certain loans because the government, I don't believe in socialism at all and never will, but in some respects, like in Germany, uh, they will not allow people go into dumb debt. They have safeguards because they know that we just are impulsive. That's why, I don't know if you know this, Wrigley's is the first one that put the gum right by the register. Right? Impulsive buying, that didn't used to be. You don't even think about it. That's how that company became a billion dollar corporation. That one little move. Were you thinking about a pack of gum when you went into the grocery store? No, I'm going for milk. How come you came out with gum? Do you know companies pay to have their product put in a certain place in the store? Because they want your eyes to see it the lust of the eyes, <sharp inhale> got to have that. And then if your kids are in, in, in line with you through the "Oh my gosh, I mean, how many meltdowns have you seen because little Marky needs the, need, needs not a want, mind you, needs that candy bar he wasn't even thinking about until Hershey's paid to have that candy bar right at the kids they put it at the eye level by the way. I mean it's all scientific. it is all scientific. We got to have self control because, look, these, I'm, these people, these companies aren't evil. They're smart. And if I was in the company, I'd be doing the same thing. The onus is on us to show some self control. And God will work with you. Shame on us for criticizing the government when we're doing the same thing. We take out loans we cannot afford. They got a $60,000 student loan for a $30,000 job. It does not make sense. Debt robs us of our joy. The Bible says in Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. If I was Satan and I wanted to jack you, I would make sure I gave seniors in high school, which my son is, a credit card. By the time you get to college, it's maxed out. In college, I'll give you a few more. By the time you graduate, the... Those are all maxed out. And then you get into the workforce a couple more. And then you can buy in three to five years what your parents earn, you know, worked 35 years, the kind of lifestyle. They spent 35 years on But you can get it, like, right now. That wasn't available to my parents. They had to actually work for it. Debt is not your friend. I was going to go through some facts and figures, but let me just say this end up average car loan, student loan, average credit card. and a monthly basis, you end up with $1,226. What else could you do with that? 30 years and a 10% return on a mutual fund would be $2,771,358. 358 that's, that's what you can do with those monthly payments. You can get out of debt in three to five years. We have financial coaching here at The Gathering Place. It's free. Um, Marsha, who you heard of the testimony from, excellent money manager. Uh, she runs uh, financial peace university at Dave Ramsey. Of course, Phil Williams also right here. Uh, he partners with her. They're part of our benevolence team and they offer free financial coaching. You can go through FPU with us or a mini FPU. We want to help you get out of debt. There is a plan. You can get out of debt within three to five years and uh, it's called a snowball effect. They'll show you how to do that and get right side up in your life. And take the stress off your marriage. So how do you get out of debt? Now here it comes. You knew it was coming. Here it comes. You're ready for this. The second thing Jesus would say to us is tithe. I remember when I first heard about tithing, I went to church and the pastor said tithing. I'd never heard about it before. And he said, if you have $500, give 50. And I turned to my sister and I said, I can't do that. I couldn't do that because I never had five hundred dollars before I couldn't do that She said you could if you had five hundred dollars and I didn't say anything back to her But to this day, I remember what I said in my mind Uh-uh Uh-uh If I had five hundred dollars, I can't give I can't give fifty dollars But this is what the lord told me to do when we were seventy thousand dollars in debt I had not tithed up to that point and I heard the pastor at church again talk about tithing Okay, what is tithing? Let me, let me show you what tithing is. Okay, it's pretty simple. I want you guys to count with me. Here's tithing. One dollar bills. Okay, count out loud with them. Ready? Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And you put one into the hand of God. Okay, now let's see if it works with tens. Okay, guys, count out loud with me. Come on. one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight. Come on, elders. Nine, ten. Put one into the hand of God. Now that, that's that's pretty easy, isn't it? Let let's see if this works with hundreds. Let's see if it does the same thing. Ready? Here we go. One. Did you hear what you just did? Here we go. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Put one into the hand of God. Why did you groan at the 100 but you didn't at the $1? Because you can't do much with this, can you? $1 bill. But wh- how much could you do with this $100 bill? But would G- But listen... People say, oh, if I, had, if I had a lot more money, I would tithe. No, Jesus said this. Jesus Christ said this. If you don't do it with this one, you're not going to do it with this hundred. That's what he said. And here's the truth. Statistically, you'll be surprised at this. That generally speaking, the people who make the most money give the least. It's an amazing statistic. And some of you might be saying, hey, look, tithing is under the law. Now, that's a weak argument. Uh, Melchizedek, who was a high priest in the Old Testament, Abraham, the father of faith, our faith father, the father of faith who heard the gospel preached to him first before Jesus ever came, God preached the gospel to Abraham, Tithe gave the first 10% of his money to the high priest Melchizedek. And Jesus is called Melchizedek in the New Testament. Think about this for the law, uh, con, the, the law argument. Jesus said the law says thou shalt not murder. Under grace, you're not even allowed to hate. The law says don't commit adultery. Jesus, under grace, says don't even look at a woman to lust after her. So don't tell me that under grace you're going to give less than under the law. Grace will never tell you to do less. When I first started tithing, I thought that was the finish line. I found out it's the starting block. By the end of the year, we, our business went from $70,000 in debt to the number one producing franchise in the country. And it was that way for four years. God taught me when I was broke. I told him when he said, tithe, I said, that's the dumbest things. I, I don't even have any money. What am I going to tithe? And he said, just promise me you'll do it. I said, okay, I promise you I'll do it. That's easy when you don't have any money. The promise that you'll give him 10% of nothing. I just figured he was bad with math. I said, the next dollar, you get a dime. And uh, like I said, by the end of the year, uh, we were on TV and magazines giving our testimony. Uh, and I, what I found out was people who argue against tithing just don't understand that God's word is really true. He will begin to open up the windows of heaven for you. He's not broke. You know that, right? You know he's not broke? Do you know, Is God broke? Yes or no? No. So here's the truth. You just don't believe it. Ah, oh, that's offensive. Okay, do you believe you're going to heaven if you give your life to Jesus? Yes. Well, the same Bible that says that is the same Bible that says you give God the first 10% of your money to your local church, by the way. That's why I believe it goes. It says bring it to the storehouse. Not to nonprofit organizations, not to schools, not to good deeds. Those are, those are offerings. Your first 10% belongs to the local church. And I'm going to tell you this. I'll say, I can say this with integrity because there is a friend. Who made $10 million a year Lives in a different state, goes to a different church Called me up, said, I've been listening to your sermons They feed me so much, i want to give you part of my tithe And I stupidly said no I said The tithe belongs to your local church And would not let that multi-millionaire Give me, us, his money Now some of you may be mad at me, especially the board members Who would like us to get a building But I believe this with integrity That your first 10% belongs to Your local church Okay uh, But we will take His offerings. Okay, so, um, I love this scripture. But remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you the ability. God gives you the ability, the brains, the bronze, the know-how, the opportunities. It's God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your ancestors as it is this day. God does not mind you making money. He wants to partner with you in it. So, Number three, what would Jesus say? i got to move quickly. One, He would say, get out of debt. You say, how do you do that? Number one, start tithing. Look, I say this to everybody. Whether it's a CEO or a single mom, I tell them the same thing. Not because I want your money. It's because I want God's blessing on your life. Look, He got me first. He picked on me first, and He showed me how it works. And so now, as a pastor, when people come to me with financial stress, I say, I cannot, with integrity, go to God on your behalf if you're not doing it God's way. I'll just be barking up the wrong tree, knocking on a door that won't open. But as soon as you obey God, He's going to start showing you things uh, in, the, in the world of uh, your finances. Number three, budget. Look, I know that's a dirty word. I know it's unpleasant. I know you've heard it before. But the reality is, uh, I've had people say, I've been tithing and it doesn't work. Next question. Okay, what are you doing with the other 90% and then when he tells me I don't believe him I go to the wife and then she tells me the truth Look, I owe I owe our financial stability to my wife look When we first got married, I said, okay, you go over there because we didn't know each other It was a long-distance relationship. It was a quick relationship I met her and 11 months later. We were married because i'm not stupid and so I said, you go to that side of the coffee shop. I go to this side. Write down your core values, what's important to you. I'll write down my core values, what's important to me. We came back together. I said, okay, you go first. On the top of her list, structure. I thought, crud. This is a train wreck just waiting to happen. She goes, let me see yours. I said, uh uh-uh. uh. Let me see yours. You do not want to see it. What do you, let me see it. Spontaneity and fun. So over the years, we've learned to compromise. Hope organizes everything. Isn't that right, Elliot? Big calendar on our kitchen wall, and we are not allowed to touch it. It is command central. We go on vacation, man. It used to be on vacation. My idea of vacation, do nothing real slow. Her idea of vacation. Okay, the first day we're going to do this and then this and then this. I'm getting stressed out just looking at our vacation. So we've compromised on that too. She's up in the mountains right now. I was down at the harbor a few weeks ago. You say, oh, that sounds like a separation. Yes, it was. The Bible says this, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. Elliot, my son, who's sitting here, can tell you I believe all of this stuff. Because getting, getting money out of me is not the easiest thing. We love, my, well, not we, my wife and I when I say we. We love these two words. They're two of our favorite words. Oh, we love them and our children hate them. Ready? Delayed gratification. I never see that on the commercials. Oh, you don't need this iPhone right now. Well, you know it just came out, but you don't need it now. Wait till later when the price goes down. What are you doing with the other 90%? You've got to tell your money where to go. I personally don't understand and you may be one of them and look I love you I personally don't understand the people who go to the Store and wait in line all night long to get the newest phone that comes out. I don't get it What why so that you can say I got it? It's just weird to me. I, don't know, I just wait till the crowd's gone. I wait till the money till the price goes down and then I go get I still have an s3. <gasps> oh my gosh. What a loser It works we're always trying to find a way to save money. You know what I just found out talking to Horizon? I found out you sign that two-year contract. There's always all, all sorts of ways to find money. Sign a two-year contract, you pay $40 a month for that discounted phone because you got an upgrade. What I found out was I can buy the phone on discount somewhere on Amazon, find it somewhere else, and I pay $10 a month. And what I found was the reduced price that you get for the two-year contract, they actually build that into the $40 a month So you actually, at the end of the two years, paid $800 for the phone anyway. We will never sign another two-year contract in our family. If you work for a telephone company or a phone company, whatever, I love you. I hope you still love me. I'm not doing it. I'm paying $10 a month instead of $40 a month for all the phones in our home. You can find money. you got to tell your money where to go. You know, you come home with clothes from the mall. Oh, it was on... I found a sale it was on sale. Okay, let me let me let me, let me get, let's get the definition of a sale clear in this household We had five hundred dollars. We now have three hundred dollars How's that a sale? We have less money than we did before you left the house and you said you were just going window shopping You've got to tell your money where to go Okay, let's go to number four. And uh, obviously, like I said, I've got to go quickly here. I started late, so give me give me a little bit of grace. Number four. I've only lost like 20 people so far. So th- those of you that have still stayed, I am so proud of you. You guys are just you guys are just l- letting me take a strip off you, and you're just sitting. I don't know if it's out of politeness, or you or or, or you like this, or okay, say this. I forgot to tell you our, our mantra today. Last week was. Love, 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 love. This week's mantra is, help, 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 help. help. Say it out loud, Sam. Come on, help, 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 help. That's what this is, by the way. If you don't know that, the feeling you are experiencing right now is called help. You can even put me on the end of it if you want to. Help me, help me, help me. That's what's going on here today. Number four, a $1,000 emergency fund. You're saying, you gotta be kidding me. It absolutely can be done. Look, you have to define emergency, it's not your fifth pair of shoes. I remember this guy came to the church, not this church, and I was working benevolence, and he told me his sob story. Gave him some money. The next Sunday, I was also the choir director. The next Sunday, he's right in the middle of the choir singing for Jesus with a gold cap right here. I went up to him and I said, I gave, I gave you that money to pay your rent. Yeah, if I needed this gold cap. I needed. Actually happened. How many of you, got, how many of you bought a Starbucks this week? Raise your hand you bought a Starbucks. Be honest in church. No liars in church. Three of you bought us to four of you, five of you, come on. Starbucks, right? Okay. You spent more money than most people are living on around the world. You gotta understand that money just just runs from us when we walk out of these doors. Recently I saw my wife walking around the house and she was gathering stuff out of the garage and out of the storage and out of our underneath the bathroom counter in our bathroom. I was like, What are you doing? She goes, I'm finding stuff to sell. She sold on eBay and and Craigslist uh, a massager that her dad got her that's just dumb. One of those things on your back, you know, this this, this vibrates and makes you tickle, but doesn't work. A laser hair removal that didn't work. Cleats from when he was in baseball. Old washing machine. A violin that nobody ever played. And a whole bunch of other stuff. And she made us over $1,000. That's our $1,000 emergency fund. It can be done. You need to sell so much stuff, it makes your kids nervous. <laughs> Look, here's another place to save. Movies. I remember when my kids, were, Ellie and Bella, were a little bit younger. I said, like, who wants to go to the movies? They said, I did. Woo! I said, okay. Here, let me show you something first. Dining room table. I got a hundred one dollar bills. I said, okay, you want to go to the movies? Yes, okay. And I put them out in order. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Great. Bella, you want to go? Yes. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Who wants to bring a friend? I do. I do. Okay, great. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Friend? Bella. Okay. Who wants popcorn? I do. Okay. One, two, three. By the time we were done with the movies, The Friends and the Popcorn, we were up to like sixty, seventy dollars. I said, Here's another option. When blockbuster was around. Let's do Blockbuster. One, two, three. Who wants to bring friends? I do, I do, I do. Alright? That doesn't cost us anything. Who wants popcorn? All you can eat. I do. Okay? One, two. Great, we're done. That's when going out to the movies died in our family. We go out periodically, but you can you can save money. And the last point I want to make today in my loving pastoral heart that's just overflowing you like a wave of the ocean, is ask for help. The number one reason people stay broke is because of pride. I run into it all the time in pastoral work. 78% live paycheck to paycheck. You miss one week, you're sunk. And you won't ask for help. It's just pride. Satan wants you to believe you're the only one who struggles with this issue. And that you'll look like a fool, or you'll look weird if you ask for help. No, you won't. You'll, be, you'll look brilliant. Say, so I, I, I need help. We have free help for you here at the Gathering Place Church. But people who can really show you how to get out of debt. You're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to have to do your homework. You're going to have to dig deep. But getting that financial stress off of you is going to be a lifesaver. And if you do it God's way, you can probably be out of debt within three to five years, except for your home, but bad debt in three to five years. And just think about how much money you can have to do God's will to help others and live life well. Too hot to handle. People's money. Never seen people get more uncomfortable than when we're talking about their money. But money is an indicator of your heart. It's an indicator of your personal self disciplines and your missions and motive in life. God wants control of your money. And I promise you, from personal experience, He is going to bring you to a place of financial health where you can live with joy and enjoy money and share and give money and help the world around you as we ought as the people of God. Will you close your eyes for a moment? This is a pretty poignant message today. I climbed right up your tree and I shook your branches. But it's love. So I'm going to ask you to do something very courageous right now. I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit what's the first step He wants you to take in the area of money. You ask Him, what do you want me to do? you got to be willing to hear anything He says. It could be a thought that floats up into your mind. It could be an impression in your heart could be a lightning bolt that descends you right there in your chair. Just ask him this question. I'll be quiet for a second. Say, Holy Spirit, what is the first thing you want me to do? Now just listen. Okay, now whatever he said, whatever he showed you, whatever you sensed, whatever thought came to your head, do that. And you will be following Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Okay. Let the emails and the text and the phone calls pour in this week. I love you too. Praise God. If you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, he is the only way to heaven. He paid the price for your sins. So you will not have to, you cannot work your way to heaven. Doesn't matter how good you are. Jesus died on the cross for you too. He died for self-righteousness. He died for unholiness. He died for all of our sins. The Bible says all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Jesus Christ, the only sinless Son of God, died for your sins. And all you have to do is open the door of your heart and say, Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. Instantaneously, Jesus Christ this morning will come right into your heart. He'll forgive you of your sins. You'll experience His peace. His Spirit will fill you, and you will walk out of these doors a son or daughter of the Most High God. If that's you and you have that need, or if you have need in any other area of your life, sickness, disease, or whatever it might be, I'm going to ask the prayer teams to come down. If you have a need in your life, whether it's salvation, deliverance, healing, as the prayer teams come down, I'm going to invite you to come down. When I said prayer teams come down, that meant prayer teams come down. And then if you have a need, in just a second as I release you, if you have a need, you come on down here and uh, come to these prayer teams. Love you. God loves you. Go be smart Christians and the salt and the light of the world. Amen.